I know you are probably sick to death of hearing about the British Podcast Awards, but this is the last time I'm going to mention it because the British Podcast Awards voting closes on the 16th of July. It actually closes on the 17th, I think, but I think getting your vote in by the 16th is probably better because of time differences. So just to remind you, it is British Podcast Awards season and it would be really amazing if you could vote for Real Life Ghost Stories in the Listener's Choice Award. You just need to go to www.britishpodcastawards.com forward slash vote. Scroll down and type in Real Life Ghost Stories into the search bar. You will then be sent a confirmation email and in order to make your vote count, you need to click the button in the email. And that's it. It only takes a minute, literally, I am under absolutely no illusions that Real Life Ghost Stories will win, but if I get shortlisted, it will be great advertising for the podcast. Also, you can only vote for Real Life Ghost Stories once, but you can vote for as many podcasts as you like. So if you have a podcast that you love, please be sure that you sling them a vote too, especially if they're an indie podcast, because we don't have all of the behind the scenes teams do all that stuff for us. The link to vote will be in the description of this episode. The 16th of July is your last opportunity to vote. You just need to go to BritishPodcastAwards.com forward slash vote and I will love you forever. Thank you so much. Bye. Hello and welcome to mini episode 169 of Real Life Ghost Stories and I have seven spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from February the 8th 2022 and story number one comes from Ryan. My experience wasn't a scary one. If anything it was more comforting and even to this day I still find it fascinating. I lost my granddad on my mum's side to cancer of the esophagus which caused him pain in his chest and he found it difficult to swallow food and he had to live on meal supplement drinks in his last days. My granddad was a lovely man with a kind heart and he always greeted my brother and myself with a huge smile and a hug when we used to visit him and my nan after school when we were young, sitting either at the kitchen table or in the upstairs living room in front of the TV. Before I continue, I should tell you a couple of things that are of significance to the story. The first thing was that my granddad hated the 90s comedy sitcom The Vicar of Dibley, starring the actress Dawn French, who he wasn't a fan of, and he'd often moan about her, which I did find amusing. Sorry Dawn, no offence. Secondly, I just want to give you a quick description of my nan and granddad's living room. It was on the second floor of their three-storey council house, and it was full of my nan's titanic displays and her collection of beanie babies, as well as their TV and gas fire. We sadly lost my granddad in the summer of 2011 and it was the first death of a close family member and it was the most heartbreaking thing I'd gone through as I was only 16 at the time. Of course, being a believer in the paranormal, I really hoped to see my granddad around his and my nan's house, but as expected, I never did. Six years later, in 2017, my nan, bless her heart, had dementia and had to be looked after in a retirement home, which meant that their house was returned to the council. This one particular night, I must have been in a really heavy, deep sleep, but I had the most realistic dream I've ever had, and even to this day, I can remember every single detail of that dream. In this dream, I was on the third floor of my nan and granddad's house. I remember walking down the stairs and turning right into the living room. As I entered the living room, I saw my granddad sitting on the sofa in front of the TV. 
I remember turning around to look at the door that I had just entered to look into the hallway behind me and it was completely black. And when I say black, I mean oblivion, enclosing me and my granddad in his living room. I remember distinctly looking around the room and it was exactly how I remembered it. I saw all of my nan's titanic displays and her collection of beanie babies, as well as the gas fire and the TV. I noticed that the TV was on, which was showing the 90s comedy sitcom The Vicar of Dibley. The next thing I remember, I was sitting next to my granddad on the sofa and he was moaning about Dawn French, the leading actress in the sitcom, and I remember saying to him as clear as day, I remember how you used to moan about her. Now I'm pretty sure in regular dreams I've always thought about things in present tense, but this was in past tense, which I also found fascinating and a bit freaky at the time. I then remember going to give my granddad a hug and I could smell his Old Spice aftershave, his favourite scent. And as I went to put my arm around him, he stopped me, holding his chest. And I turned to him and asked, Have you still got that pain? To which he nodded in response. As I mentioned earlier, my granddad had cancer of the esophagus, which caused him a lot of pain in his chest. As soon as that happened, I woke up in a daze trying to make sense of the whole thing. And later that day, I told my mum about the dream. When I told my mum, she said it could have most likely been a visit from my granddad, as she had also experienced a similar dream not long after his passing. That dream will forever stay with me as it gives me comfort knowing that I got to see my granddad again. As for the pain in his chest, I really hope that has ceased and he is now at peace. My nan has also left us, but I have yet to have a visit from her, and I am hoping I will as I miss her dearly. I just take comfort in knowing that they are now reunited. It's not often I tell this story, but when I do I get a rush of emotions, happy and sad, but I love telling it, as it's the only experience I've ever had with the spirit world. I read, and I don't know whether it's just like an Irish folklore or superstition thing, that when you have dreams of people who have passed, if in the dream you are aware that they are dead, then that means it's a visitation dream and not just a normal dream. And listen, if you don't believe that, that's fine. If you take comfort from it, that's also fine. I love these stories about loved ones who are coming back to say that, hey, I'm okay. And there was something that really stood out to me about this story. And that was the very granddad thing of irrationally hating something seemingly innocuous. Like your granddad hating the Vicar of Dibley. Like because of Dawn French. And I don't think Dawn French is listening. But Dawn, if you are, we are obviously very sorry. No offence meant to you. So I actually never met either of my grandfathers. But my dad has this really irrational hatred of croutons. <laughs> That might go some way to explaining why I am the way I am, but there you go. I would love to hear about your granddad's, grandparents, parents, whoever it is in your life. People's weird, irrational hatreds. I want to hear about it. And story number two comes from Nikki. I wrote in a couple of years ago with stories about baking cookies with my grandma. In April of 2020, my grandma developed a blood clot in her spinal cord that caused her to become paralysed. She was moved into an extended care facility and my husband, two sons and I moved into her home. We noticed things happening almost immediately. The glass my grandpa used to use for his whiskies was almost always sitting on top of the bar in the living room when we woke up. I would wash it up and put it back in the cupboard every time. My husband's work badge would be moved from the dining room table to the coat rack by the door. My grandpa's old flashlight that was stored in a closet, would be on the coffee table every once in a while, 
Nobody ever claimed any of these events and they happened all the time. I mentioned them to my grandma and she just said, oh yeah, that happens a lot. One night, my four-year-old started yelling. At first, I thought the boys were fighting and just listened to see if they would resolve it on their own. Soon, he was yelling as loud as he could. I said, leave me alone. I went into their room expecting to break up an epic sibling fight to find my seven-year-old sound asleep and my four-year-old glaring at the foot of their bed. I asked him why he was yelling and he said, because that guy won't leave me alone. I told him that his brother was sleeping and he said, no, that guy. While pointing to the end of the bed, you know, where there was absolutely nobody. Well, what do you mean he won't let you sleep? He sits there and looks at me every night and he won't go away. At this point, I was having a hard time not laughing because it was clear that he was just genuinely very annoyed and not even a little bit afraid of this guy. I turned to the end of the bed and said, Could you please leave and let the boys sleep? Thanks. And hightailed it back to my own bed. I never heard about that guy again. In September of 2020, I received a call that my grandmother had developed severe pneumonia and had decided to enforce her DNR. We were asked to come up to the facility she was staying at, as they were not expecting her to live much longer. Due to COVID, we could not be in the building, but they had her set up in a room with a window that looked out onto an outdoor seating area. She was the best kind of stubborn old lady, and in stubborn old lady fashion, was argumentative till the very end. One of us would call her room and leave it on speaker all day, so that we could all chat. I spent eight hours of the first day trying to convince her that it was okay to take pain medication to be more comfortable. After three days of dragging my eight months pregnant self and my kids to the facility that was an hour away and spending eight hours in the sun, I was exhausted. I woke up on the fourth day and decided I would just stay at home. At around 10am, I had the overwhelming urge to bake something. Baking was the thing I did to my grandmother and she taught me everything I know about baking and cooking. I had just put the first pan of sugar cookies in the oven when the phone rang with a call from my dad. I answered, sighing. So she finally decided to be comfortable, eh? She had passed at 10am. I chalked that one up to intuition and it was strangely comforting baking her sugar cookies when I received that call. She was very particular about maintenance around her house and when it needed to happen. I had managed these appointments for her for years and knew her preferred schedule. One of these tasks was the maintenance on the furnace every October. That year, I was a little preoccupied in October, what with having a baby and all. She kept a bulletin board on the wall in the living room with business cards and phone numbers attached to it. One morning in November, I woke up to find this bulletin board on the ground 10 feet away from the wall that it has sat on for my entire life. When I picked it up, only one business card was left attached to it. The business card for the furnace place. I said, all right, I get it. I'll call Chuck today. This last story is just a little bit of drop kick it down the stairs humor. My grandma was cremated and her remains were brought back to the house where we kept them on the side table along with her portrait. Chuck was there for the furnace maintenance and was talking with my four-year-old son when he said, I'm really sorry to hear that your nana isn't here anymore. To which my four-year-old son replied, But she is here. All the time? Can't you see her? She can see you. Our appointment was done in record time and Chuck requested that we pay him later. 
We've since purchased our own home and have had no new encounters. My oldest misses telling his friends and cousins that his house was haunted and I will miss scaring the bejesus out of them when they would sneak out of bed to find the ghosts. I love older women who are really stubborn. I particularly love it when they're just like, yeah, haunted shit happens in the house. It's fine. It just happens all the time, whatever. I'm much less into the kids seeing the guy at the bottom of his bed. That's a no from me, dog. But at least whatever it was, I listened to you and you were like, please leave my children alone. There you go. Done and dusted. And we also love a helpful ghost, you know, that reminds you to do the things that you need to do, like looking after the furnace. Very important. Very important jobs. I think I could do with that in my life at the moment. Although that is not an invitation for me to be haunted. Thank you very much if anyone is listening. But I do think it's very important to reference something that's pretty, pretty poignant and sad about this story, which is your description of what it was like for people to lose somebody during COVID, not necessarily to COVID, although obviously in some cases it was to COVID, but having to sit outside the window during somebody's last days must have been horrendous. And I'm not going to labour the point, but I'm sure there are many people listening who experienced that during the initial and subsequent COVID lockdowns who can probably really empathise and sympathise with those feelings. And I am sorry to you and anybody who had to go through that. And indeed to those who are still going through it. And story number three comes from Verdant Moth. I'm listening to the most recent story where the girl keeps finding money. She finds $10, $20 and $100 bills. What makes this very weird? I literally just woke up and started playing this episode. I also have dreams that are vaguely premonition-ish, but never about me. Like I'll dream about getting a job and then someone else will get a new job. In my dream, it was dark and grassy. There was a dirt path and a young, handsome gentleman with long dark hair walking in front of me. I never interacted with him. But when I was walking behind him, I randomly found a crumpled $10, a folded $20 and a $100 bill under an arrowhead. I literally thought nothing of this weird dream until I heard the story of the girl finding money. Weird. We love a freaky coincidence around here. Or maybe it's better to call it a serendipitous moment, but I don't know if that really fits with the description or the definition of serendipitous. But I love it. Although, as I said earlier, I don't want to be haunted. But if I am going to be haunted, I'd like for it to be in relation to me finding money randomly. That'd be great. Thank you very much. And strain number four comes from Melissa. We have a membership at a local community centre. I often go there to swim with or without my kid or take fitness classes. There have been a couple of times where I've been in the locker room changing or using the restroom and heard the toilet next to me flush. Obviously I assumed someone else came in since these are motion censored toilets. However on at least two occasions I was 100% alone in the locker room when this happened. It wasn't just one flush but multiple flushes. Of course I ignored my inner scaredy cat and just finished up and left the locker room without external acknowledgement. But I talked to my friends about both of these times to feel less crazy. I recently went swimming with my six-year-old daughter. We wore our suits there so there was no need to change before the swim. However, afterwards we went into the locker room to change back into our clothes. As many people know, children equals slow. I was nearly dressed and consistently fussing at her to get dressed since we had somewhere to be. She had more important things to do like fighting about a shower, looking at her butt in the mirror and making fart sounds. 
I was getting annoyed but doing my best to get her moving. She needed to use the toilet, so I finished up as she did. She came back over and we started our banter again, me urging her, her finding everything else to do except what I asked. As she was twirling around with her shirt over her head and me low-key hoping a dizzy fall would make her get it together, the toilet flushed. She pulled her shirt down quickly and said, Hey, I didn't see anyone come in here. I just looked at her. She asked if I saw anyone as the toilet flushed again. She immediately sprinted over to check it out. And she ran back over with a curious face and said, No one is here. And none of these doors are closed, so why is it flushing? The toilet flushes again. She looked at me wide-eyed. So, lying, as good parents do, I said, It's probably just a glitch in the plumbing. Hurry up and get your pants and shoes on so we're not late. She rolled her eyes and sat down on the bench, still pantsless. I'm feeling anxious and ghosty and ready to go, so I fussed at her again. I noticed how the toilet hadn't flushed for a few minutes and hoping we can finally get going. She's finally got her pants on. Only 30 more minutes and she will have her shoes, mask and coat on, I thought to myself. I looked at her fiddling around and said, with all the great parenting skills I've left, If you don't come on, I'm going to leave you here with whoever keeps flushing that toilet. And not one second after I finished my sentence, the toilet flushed. She jumped and stared at me with her widest eyes. She jammed her feet into her shoes. I grabbed her coat and mask and we held hands and ran out of the locker room. Nervous laughing, but definitely going as fast as we could manage. Finally. Now, I don't know who, what or why the toilet thing happened, but I don't know if there's a ghost in there who just likes messing with people or if it's some glitch. But there it is. Uh, Melissa, I love your kid. Fighting about the shower, looking at her butt in the mirror and making fart sounds. Me and that kid are kindred spirits. Twirling around with her shirt over her head while she's meant to be getting ready. I'm loving her energy. Loving her energy a lot. And maybe the ghost that is haunting the toilets of the swimming pool is actually the ghost of a parent who is destined to spend eternity waiting around in the changing room like some sort of horrific version of purgatory where they're just waiting around for their child for all of eternity and their child never quite get ready. So now their only job is to urge children to get ready quicker when parents are reaching the end of their tether. Either that or they have one of those auto flush systems. They used to have in my previous workplace one of those automatic air freshener things that would like just hiss into the air at varying intervals and used to scare the shit out of me on a regular basis. And story number five comes from Destiny. I lost my father in a car accident in 2011. After I lost him, I dreamt about him every night for a year. Of course, I just thought it was because I missed him. This went on for months, but one night he didn't appear in my dreams. It felt a little weird as though he had left for that night. A few weeks later, my aunt was telling me about her brother, my father, saving her from burning her house down. He had appeared in her dreams and told her to wake up. She was in danger. My aunt woke up to the smell of smoke. She went downstairs to find a box had gotten too close to the pellet stove and almost caught on fire. After hearing this story, I went to sleep that night and thanked my dad. I don't remember all the dreams I had with my dad, but this one I won't forget. He smiled at me and said, I had to look out for the family one last time. He then hugged me and said, I have to go, my year is up. Be strong, my squirrel. That was my nickname. After that, I stopped dreaming about my dad on a daily basis. But sometimes, he would come to visit to check up on us. 
There was another occasion where my father made an appearance. This was probably two or three years after his passing. I'd gotten a new phone and was playing with the recording feature on it. I made some silly noises right away into the phone, but when I played it back there was a few moments of silence, then a voice saying goodbye. And even though it didn't sound like my dad, I still strongly believe it was my father. He still appears in dreams every so often, but not as much as he used to. Again, we love a visitation dream and the comfort that it brings people after somebody that they love has passed away. And it's amazing to hear stories of people who've passed away that are coming back to help people who are alive, you know, to be able to say, look, you've got to wake up now because something is happening that is a danger to you. And I do know that I've got somebody in my family who that has happened to as well, where they were woken up from a dream by a loved one who had passed who said, you need to wake up now because your child is in danger and the child was in danger. And story number six comes from Amanda. In 2010, my then partner and I purchased an old house in the Australian countryside. I'd fallen in love with the house while visiting my father, who lived only a short distance away from it. I'd never seen it before, because I would normally go a different way. So after a long story, I purchased the house. It was 160 years old, which is extremely old for Australia, and was built from local granite. I found out about its very interesting history before I moved in. The house had me captivated the moment it said hello to me. Obviously, it didn't actually say hello, but that's how it made me feel. Being a city girl moving to the country was a massive culture shock. There were no street lights. At night, when you turned off the lights, you could not see your hand in front of you. It had four open fireplaces, and bats would fly down the chimney and scare the shit out of me at night. We only had moved in about a week, and it was Remembrance Day, the 11th of the 11th. The locals were holding a service and then a barbecue at the local fire shed. The fire shed was only a few minutes away by car and nearly every local was there. Everyone loves a free barbecue. Before we left, my partner and I were sitting on the front porch in our rocking chairs and we were talking about how idyllic it felt. We went to the service and on our way back I happened to say, I'm so glad nothing weird has happened in the house. The locals used to say it was haunted and my partner jokingly said, That's because you're the lady of the house now. We both had a giggle and turned the car in through the gates that led up to the property. As soon as we pulled up to the front of the house, we both just stared and then looked at each other. Both our rocking chairs were turned around facing the house and pushed up against the wall. That to me was something telling me that no, you are not the lady of the house, I am. It was so strange. Who would do that and why? Not much more than a week after that, my youngest son was sitting on the floor in the lounge room, eating his breakfast and watching some cartoons. I was at the far end of the house when suddenly he came running into me, shouting, Mum! Mum! He said, I was watching cartoons and a pair of brown pants walked past me. In my mind, I thought, okay, he's seen something from the waist down as he was sitting on the floor. I told him, aren't you lucky to be able to see that? Don't we live in a funny old house? That seemed to calm him down and he was happy enough and went back to the lounge to watch his cartoons. I bet that move from the city to the countryside is such a massive culture shock. And even more so when you move into a house that's haunted. I hate stories like this where there's the implication that whatever's haunting your house can hear you all the time. Even when you're not in the house. Even when you're away from the house. Like somehow whatever was haunting your house heard you in the car say, or your partner say, you're the lady of the house now. And the house was like, 
I don't fucking think so. Not on my watch. And what a good way to approach it with your kid to just say, look, well, aren't you really lucky that you're able to see things like that? And then move on. And string number seven comes from Alna. I grew up in the same house as my dad grew up in. A house built in the late 1800s, which was my family home from about 1960. While I was growing up, weird stuff always happened in the house. Mostly bangs and creaks, but nothing you wouldn't put down to an old house. However, there was more. At first, it seemed like a lot was revolving around me. When I was around eight, I was playing in my bedroom, in the middle bedroom, in between my parents' room and the bathroom. When I was called out by my mum saying, come out of the bathroom and stop messing around. I came out of my bedroom confused and said, I'm not in the bathroom. My mum got confused and hurried me into her room. She told me she'd seen a shadow going into the bathroom from my bedroom out of the corner of her eye and thought it was me. A couple of years later, me and my sister had metal bunk beds. I was around 10 and even then was a bit of an insomniac. I was on the top bunk reading and happened to gaze off the bed down at the bedroom and there he was. A little boy around 8 years old staring at me. Not a fleeting glance but fully standing there, looking at the bunk beds. I was frozen. I slowly reached for my torch. The light was on the other side of the room beyond this creepy little bastard. I looked back and he was gone. Me, at the time, an interested sceptic, tried to sleep. And in the morning, I spoke to my dad. I knew after the shadow event that my mum would have flipped a lid. His response blew my mind. Oh yeah, him. Turns out that my dad had seen the same boy when he was a child. My dad, being a very laid-back guy, told me not to worry about it or to tell my sister because she was a worrier. And if it was mean, he would know because he had lived there his whole life. From 11, I had half an hour period home alone from 3.30 to 4, where I'd get home from school before anyone was home from work or upper school. It became a common occurrence for me to hear my metal bunk beds creaking as if someone was climbing into the top bunk. A noise I knew very well considering I did it at least once a day. At this point I wasn't worried about the noises and would either shout up the stairs, pack it in, or I'm calling a fucking priest. My mum was home one day on holiday and sure enough the bed creaking happened again. I followed my usual pattern of shouting my jokes to which my mum smacked me around the back of the head and said, don't provoke them. When I was 16 I was a waitress in a pub supposedly my area's most haunted pub. One of the pub's ways to make money was ghost nights, in which they got a supernatural team in to do tours of the general paranormal hotspots. By this point, I was obsessed with stuff like this and insisted that me, my mum, my dad and my sister had to do it once. As I worked there, we got to do it for free, which was a bonus. And this was where shit really hit the fan. During this tour, we did Ouija boards and at one point held a seance in the function room. There was a trained medium in the room and she asked the group during it, has anybody in this room lost a young boy? Everyone looked around suspiciously but no response. She then looked at my family, well me, and stared. We all shook our heads, which is when she said the words, he's with you. She went to explain that I had a little boy attached to me named Frank which obviously freaked me the fuck out and my family. We continued as usual, and my dad, the legend, just told me, at least I had a friend now. Classic English dad humour. But then the final straw hit. 
I was knitting in bed. The room was all mine now, and I had my back to the wall looking out into the room. I was a messy kid and my wardrobe was overflowing in a jar. Biggest fuck up ever. And I saw a fucking face, a beady eyed girl's face looking at me. I jumped out of my skin at nine at night and dismantled my wardrobe. My parents were not happy. I called my friend and asked if I could sleep over at hers. I didn't tell her why. She came to pick me up and sat on my garden wall waiting for me. When I came out of my night bag, I was met with a, you think you're so funny, don't you? I was confused and she said she'd seen me standing in the front room looking at her, but when she looked up, I ran away. I felt sick. I'd gone straight from my room to the door and that front room was my parents' room to watch films and escape the kids, so it was always locked. I explained this and I have never left my house quicker. After this, I was freaked out and did some digging at the library, accessing historical records to see if I could find anything, and fuck me, did I. It turns out in 1911, there was a murder on my street. The paper clipping was old and wasn't hugely specific. However, it had been a murder of a whole family. A mum, a dad, a little boy, a little girl and a baby. This was the point that I felt the most sick I've ever felt in my life. I was going through the names of the family. The little girl was called Elizabeth. And the little boy, you guessed it, was called fucking Frank. Frank Jr. to be specific. But the dots connected in my head and I ran out of the library. My dad picked me up and I told him what I had found. It became a family story. All guests were told if they were brave enough to hear it. But I know Frank will be with me forever, even though I've now moved into my own home. I never know whether it's a good thing or not to get that validation. You know, this psychic, this medium, whatever they were, told you you've got a little boy attached to you called Frank. You've seen a little boy in the house. Your dad's seen a little boy in the house growing up. And then you go to the library and you find out a little boy called Frank actually died on the premises. I don't know if that I don't know if that validation makes things better or worse. I don't know if I'd want to know. I think I just would like to kind of spend my time thinking it's just my imagination. It's okay. It's not real. It's not a big deal. I also like to think that Frank was just insanely jealous of your bunk beds. I never had bunk beds as a kid and I was always insanely jealous of people who did have bunk beds because I thought they were literally the coolest thing in the world. So maybe that's why Frank was hanging around. He was obsessed with your bunk beds and that's why you kept hearing him climbing into the bunk beds. Because anytime you weren't there, he was like, I'm going to get in those bunk beds and pretend they're mine. Because, I mean, bunk beds are just inherently cool. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Ryan, Nikki, Verdant, Moth, Melissa, Destiny, Amanda and Alna for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story came from February the 8th, 2022. Don't forget, this is your last chance to vote in the British Podcast Awards Listener's Choice Award. You just go to BritishPodcastAwards.com forward slash vote. And you can cast your vote for Real Life Ghost Stories if you so desire. Don't forget to vote for any other indie podcast that you listen to because it's really good recognition for them. If you want to find out anything more about Real Life Ghost Stories podcast, you can do so by checking out reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. You can also get access to heaps of extra content on patreon.com forward slash Stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content and every single main and mini episode completely ad free. And on that note, I shall see you next time.